and welcome to the short stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's Dave. Be quiet. Let's go. <laughs> so we're talking about paternity testing and the history of paternity testing, which is amazing because it's all pretty new as far as really being able to do paternity testing. Yeah. Well, you and I grew up in a world where, I mean, pretty much from the moment we realized that that would be an issue that somebody would need to solve, it was pretty much solved because of we, we grew up in a world where you could genetically test for paternity, like testing markers on white blood cells and produce basically a 99.99% accurate assessment of whether somebody was the father of a child or not. Correct. Prior to us coming of age in this age of genetic paternity testing, however, it was a real problem, Chuck. Yeah. Like a long-standing problem, apparently. Yeah, should we talk about the story of St. Anthony? I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> 12th century priest, St. Anthony, uh, at one point a woman came to him and she said, you know what, uh, my jealous husband thinks that he's not the father. He thinks I stepped out mm-hmm. and cuckolded him. Yeah. And uh, he's threatening to kill me and this child. And so Anthony went to the family and said, I'm going to do a test. It's called a paternity test. Right. <laughs> and he went to the little baby and said, who's your daddy? Yeah. And the baby pointed to the jealous husband. This is an infant. And said, that is my father. This is an infant. End of story. Um, so St. Anthony said, ha-cha-cha, and like left, <laughs> as he was known to do, and became a saint shortly after that. That's right. The end of this episode. No, it's not the end, because a very smart person named uh, Nara Milinich, who's a history professor at Barnard College, mm-hmm. uh, has authored a book called Paternity, colon, the Elusive Quest for the Father, where it, it really, and Dave Ruse, our, our old pal, wrote this article. And um, and uh, did he talk to Nara? I believe so. Yeah, and even interviewed her. And she really got down on this topic of, of researching the history of paternity. And it's pretty interesting because uh, in the early days, like all early days of science, and when there was a lot of pseudoscience going on, yeah. they were doing all kinds of wacky stuff. Yeah, because again, people were like, "What are we? What are we going to do? We have no idea how to prove how to prove paternity or disprove paternity." And there is a lot of people who really want an answer to this. So, because the need was so great, um, quacks were allowed to kind of fill the void for a little while. Especially, apparently, in the 1920s, there was a. Um, uh, the nation was gripped in a panic that babies were being switched in maternity wards yeah. at hospitals, too. So it wasn't just the idea that your wife stepped out on you or had an affair um, with another man and that this wasn't your child. Like, men and women wanted to be able to prove a child was theirs, but there was just no way to do that scientifically. So, like you said, pseudoscience said, hey, we'll try this for a little while. Yeah, and so a, a quack might step in and say, we need to look at the roof of the mouth. Because uh, we want to determine if they've eaten any Captain Crunch peanut butter cereal lately. (laughs) With just the flesh, bloody flesh dangling from the roof of the mouth. No, they thought the ridges on the roof of the mouth uh, had patterns, sort of like a fingerprint, that were passed from father to child. Mm -hmm. Complete bunk. Yeah, but imagine that exam. I'll bet that wasn't fun. Uh, I don't know. Lockjaw? Anyone? Yeah, like, how are they going to see the roof of your mouth? Uh, uh, They're probably just going to feel around or maybe do an impression test. That does not sound pleasant. (laughs) What, someone sticking their fingers in the roof of your mouth? Yeah. (laughs) And feeling? Yeah, it seems calming to me. What? (laughs) Eugenics comes next. 
uh, and that is like, hey, let's look at your, let's measure your nose and ears and feel your hair, and we'll determine that way if this is your father. Right. And be really racist about it. Right. And then a dude came along in the 1920s named Dr. Albert Abrams and his uh, his bunk science machine, the Oscillophore. Ooh, nice pronunciation, Charles. Yes. So Dr. Abrams not only came up with the Oscillophore, I'm going to say it a different way, the Oscillophore. Okay. Um, he came up with what the Oscillophore measures, which makes the whole thing totally made up. But he said that if you measure blood with an Oscillophore, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it either way, um, you will get what's called the electronic reactions of Abrams which is a measure of the electrical uh, movement or electrical uh, vibrations in blood and that the vibrations in the blood was related to your ethnic heritage. That's right. And if you're Irish, you're going to vibrate your blood will at 15 ohms. If you're Jewish, 7 ohms. Everybody knows that. And on down the line. Uh, And so this was the only thing going at the time. So judges turned to Abrams, uh, in particular a judge named Thomas Graham, uh, in San Francisco, he hired him to determine a very high-profile paternity case involving a guy named Paul Vittori, uh, who was not going to— Wait a minute. Wait a minute. On yes. behalf of all listeners, Chuck. Oh, I'm sorry. That's how you're going to say Paul Vittori. Paul Vittori. Thank you. <laughs> and he said, I'm not going to pay child support for my infant daughter. It's not my daughter. So they brought in Abrams to court, and they did the little blood vibration— and said, you are the father because your vib- your blood is vibrating at the correct uh, rate. Yep. And that was that. And everybody said, this is a gross miscarriage of justice. And the judge is like, what else are you going to do? We can't do any. Like, this is just as good a guess as any. But what's funny is this was in the 1920s, I believe, right? Yeah. Within a decade, um, there would actually be a scientific basis for testing blood to determine paternity one way or the other. And Chuck... We're going to talk about that right after this message break. That's a great setup, buddy. Thank you very much. So we we teased science finally coming into the picture, um, and it came through with blood types, basically. They figured out that there was such a thing as blood types, which, by the way, we did a really great live show on, on blood types before. Yeah, I that was a good one. Say so. um, and my father-in-law shouted out that I'm pregnant. Oh, that's right. Yeah, from the from the audience <laughs> while we were testing my blood. Yeah, we tested blood on stage. Yeah, and got he got bigger laughs than I did the entire show. <laughs> but anyway, um, the uh, the the fact that blood types were proven, somebody figured out that oh wait, you inherit your blood types from your parents, so we can go a pretty far way in ruling somebody in or out as the possible father of a child. Yeah, not a hundred percent, obviously, or ninety nine point nine nine, but there are some things we know. Um, if the baby has AB blood type and you know the mother has type A blood type, then the mm-hmm. father's got to have either B or AB. And so they could really narrow it down in a scientific way like a, a hundred times more than they ever could in the past. Yep. And this came like really to the public for, um, uh, which is a phrase I just made up. Uh-huh. 
during a Charlie Chaplin paternity case. Charlie Chaplin, the beloved Charlie Chaplin, was sued for paternity by his longtime assistant, Joan Barry. Yeah, he had a knack for uh, the young ladies and loving them and leaving them. And Joan Barry was 23 when Chaplin was 54. Mm -hmm. And she said, this little baby Carol Ann is Charlie's daughter. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of tired of this pattern that he's developed of of getting young women pregnant and then leaving them in the cold. So I'm going to take him to court. And they took him to court and they used science and they showed that he was not the father of Carol Ann. Right. So that was it, right? No. No, you'd think he'd be off the hook, and that would have been the case had that had this case been tried 10, 15 years later. But instead, the jury said, well, uh, okay, he's not biologically the father, but because of his close relationship with Joan, he is Carol Ann's father for all intents and purposes. So we're, you're still going to be allowed to sue him for child support. That's right. Of the 12-person jury, there were 11 women and one man, and they roundly said, sorry, Charlie. Right. And he just sat there silently. Yeah, that's right. And walked into a wall. Yeah, his facial expression said it all, though. (laughs) So uh, I think what in 1953, 13 years later, uh, California law said, uh, actually, we're not going to decide this by jury like that. If, If we take a scientific test and it shows that someone's not the father, then they're not the father. Right. We're just going to leave it at that. And then after California passed that law, other states said, you know, it's not a bad idea altogether. So we're going to do that, too. That's right. And then the whole thing, just like we were saying, all of it just went to the wayside when they figured out genetic testing first in the 80s. But then by the 90s, it had been developed enough and the tests had become cheap enough that it was very much widespread and used routinely and had completely supplanted blood typing as the test for paternity. So much so, and it's gotten so cheap, that Maury Povich has an ongoing thing on his Maury show, the daytime talk show. Oh, yeah? Where, um, yeah, he routinely tests and then reveals on air the results of paternity tests (laughs) for guests and, like, plays it up. There's all sorts of drama. And apparently they have mugs and T-shirts with the catchphrase, you are not the father emblazoned on it. It's high drama. And every every day, Connie Chung gets up and looks herself in the mirror and she's like, (laughs) I've got dignity enough for the both of us. I always forget they're married. Yeah, because of things like the coffee mugs that say, you are not the father. It, it kind of distances the two in your mind. You, know? you got poviched. <laughs> That's right. So obviously, it, like you said, it got so cheap that you can get these tests now for around 15 bucks or less, which is a great deal. But then, of course, you got to pay the lab fees. That's where they is, get you with yeah, the add-ons. <laughs> exactly. Over $100 to, uh, to get that lab tested because you can, you can go to your local drugstore, but that's not going to tell you anything. It's not like a pregnancy test. No. No, you still have to have it read by a tea leave reader. That's right. Um, I think that's it, right, Chuck? Yeah, I've never taken a paternity test. Nor have I. Hooray. Hooray, Chuck. (laughs) Um, If you want to know more about paternity testing and the history of it, go check out this article by Dave Ruse on How Stuff Works. And since I said that, that means it's the end of the short stuff. Short stuff Huzzah. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.